You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to the Afterlife. We're actually filming this one. This is, and not to be sexist, but probably because we have a female that we're filming this. Um, a- a- Adrian Earhart. Now, is Earhart your real name? Yeah. It just sounds like such a a cool like stage name. Oh, thanks. You know, I've heard that before. You have heard. Did you like before. that surprise? Oh wow, thanks. That's <laughs> a new thing. Um, now you came into my uh, what's what what's the thing I want to say? My purview, my brain space uh because of your tweets mm-hmm. because i'm telling you i think you are one of 10 people who for some reason for and just you're obviously smart and funny but you figured out how to make the best and the funniest tweets and i felt like there was a time when people couldn't make funny tweets like like there were three, maybe like 10 years ago when it started mm-hmm. There were like five people who could make funny tweets because there was shorter space mm-hmm. too. There was only 100 140 and, characters. And how many is it now? 180. Yeah, 180. It's a lot more. Um, and I still find that I get very little traction on Twitter, and I, I keep trying, and then it's always like the tweet that I'm like, this is corny and stupid that will blow up. But usually it's because of one person mm-hmm. retweets it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy Wakefield, by the way, is looking at his Twitter right now because he's convinced he's going to become a Twitter star. Yeah. Yeah. What will you do with that fame? What you do with all the fame? Use it for good. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten a lot of jobs from Twitter. You have? Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. Okay, so um, so let's get to your story a little bit. Now I know we, like, we just talked about this. We don't want to get too too ensconced in the in the biography, uh-huh. but um, so you are a half a Jew. Yeah. And you're from Florida. Yeah. Which is where a lot of the older Jews live. Mm-hmm. Well, Jews in general. Really? Mm-hmm. I thought they started in New York and then they just. Retired in Florida. There's so many Jews. Where in Florida? So Florida? Parkland. Parkland. Near Boca. Oh, Jesus. Did the, you go to? I went to Douglas, yeah. You went to Douglas? Mm-hmm. MSD strong. That's crazy. Um, I know some people who like went around there, but I don't know anyone who went to Douglas. Did yeah, you, went to Douglas. Did you go back after that? Did you kind I of? I drove by. Yeah. yeah. It was wow. intense. Yeah. It I... was hard to watch the videos because like that was my school. I went to school there and I could like, it was this very visceral were there, I, I don't know, were there teachers that were also shot or injured or killed? I knew or? two people who were killed, yes. You did? Yes. Oh, my God. Well, this is a great way to start a funny podcast <laughs> called The After Laugh. Um, <laughs> so, uh, anyway, um, so you, you grew up in part, and actually, I don't really, is that, that's near what, like Fort Lauderdale-ish? Boca kind Raton of? is like uh, just north of Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Both, it's like an hour north of Miami, two yeah. hours south of Orlando. Yeah. It's on the eastern seaboard. And you said, I asked you what you're, uh, you said you were half Jewish and half Viking. Yeah. Norwegian. Norwegian. Swedish, yeah. You, have you done your 23 yes. and me and all that? What is it? Norwegian and Swedish and As, Ashkenazi Jewish. And Ashkenazi Jewish. Yeah. Well, let me just say this. It's a good thing that your Ashkenazi Jewish mother or father? Mother. Mother. Hooked up with a Norwegian. Yeah. Because you definitely expanded your gene pool immensely <laughs> yeah. by doing that. You think? Yeah. As a matter of fact, when I was dating my Jewish girlfriend, Ashkenazi Jew, um, and I think she was, well, she was actually half. Mm-hmm. So her grandmother was a Holocaust survivor, 100% Ashkenazi. Dang. And then, so her mom was literally like 50%. No, her mom was... I think her mom was 100%, but her dad was just like white trash like me. And then, so she was exactly like 50% Ashkenazi. Mm-hmm. And she has a geneticist 
because she fancied like that. Mm-hmm. And her geneticist said that your white trash boyfriend is a good genetic choice. To dilute the gene pool a little bit from Well, just sex. because, well, yeah, I think there are 11. And colon cancer? Yeah, there are 11 genetic markers for. I know. Every time I say the word Ashkenazi in a doctor meeting, now they're like, we got to get Ooh. you this test or this test. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Great. Now, um, but that's but but you're but you're mixed, so that's that's good. That's yep. the way it should be, right? So, um, I'm actually seven percent Norwegian, which is good because everything else is just like Scotch Irish, yeah. like totally like boot blacks and chambermaids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't have, but seven percent Norwegian. Anyway, so you grew up in Florida with where did your parents meet? Where where does Ashkenazi Jewish mother meet a Norwegian dad on a well, cruise ship? She's from Alabama because my grandfather worked for NASA. Oh, so wow. she's from Huntsville uh-huh. and she came down to Florida with the family. I guess my grandpa got another job in Florida. And then my dad came from Boston um, where there are a lot of Scandinavians. Oh, really? So is yeah. your dad like first generation Scandinavian? Uh, second generation. Second generation. But he had the accent or something? No. He's a Boston accent. Boston accent. Okay. I think. I don't know him well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they met in Florida. Uh, my mom was going to college there and he was doing stuff. And that was like how it happened back in the day is like people met in college and they stayed married and they had children. Yeah. She worked at a donut shop and he would come at five of nine every day and get the same donut and coffee. He's probably still doing that shit, dude. That's, oh, so you don't know what's going on with your dad? I don't really know him, no. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. When did you lose touch with him? When I was two. When you were two? He just. I spent summers sometimes, but like it was, I just don't really know him. So So after two, and I don't, I know this is like an awkward conversation, but. But after two, you would sometimes spend summer with him and his new wife, or mm-hmm. he was alone. Mm-hmm. And my stepmom, yeah. Your stepmom, mm-hmm. but you never really established much of a relationship with the two of them. Uh, it was a, it was a bad one with her. So yeah. no, I wasn't. Uh, Why she was just shitty to you because you were hers? She was a violent drunk. <laughs> oh, that's nice. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it's awful. It was awful. Yeah. Yes, it is. Oh man, that's too bad. Yeah. So here we are. This is the, this is the crucible from which a comic is born. Mm. <laughs> that right? she was the most benign part of my life. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, go on. <laughs> I have a stepdad too. Well, oh, okay. One. Yeah. And he's still around? No, he's dead. Uh, he's dead. He was a very violent psychopath. And he was also drunk. I'm imagining. Not a drunk. Not a drunk. Just. Just a regular an unaltered psychopath. It's not fair because when they're drunk, you can predict their behavior. Oh yeah. But when they're a psychopath, just like something skitters across their gaze, and you're just like, oh, here it comes. So <laughs> was he bipolar? Uh, I don't know the diagnosis. I was a young child uh, yeah. when we met him. I think I was six when we met him, 10 when we escaped. And uh, I'm not capable of diagnosing retroactively of course, of somebody. So what do you mean psychopath. escaped? What does that look like? Uh, well, it was, you know, battered women's shelters, sleeping in the van, just trying to escape. My mom hiding keys <sighs> down the cul-de-sac and money under plants and shit like that. Like we got out faster than most people would get out of a situation like yeah. that because my mother is so resourceful. She's resourceful. Very What smart. was the final way that you were able to get away from, from the stepdad? Uh, she picked us up in the middle of school one day. I was in third grade, uh, just in the middle of class. And just uh, we had to leave my little sister, the baby, with him because he never let her be alone with all three of us Yeah, because he knew she was trying to flee and she was afraid if she left him with the two me and my brother he would do something horrible because he usually did Yeah, so she left the baby with him his child and we fled to the Pacific Northwest and she ended up coming back down and getting my sister a couple like a few days later did she do it also sort of like under the 
guise of night and illicitly. She tried, yeah, but then the the cops had to get involved and stuff. And then in court, I mean, you can only hide your psychopathy for so long, yeah. you know, and he had, was a very good manipulator. He was Ted Bundy-esque like that. Yes. Very charming. Um, but uh, eventually the psycho poked through and a judge one day was just like, man, oh. you can take that baby and you can get out of the state. Oh, wow. Now, was go. it during, it was in the middle of, of a court hearing where she, it, she had to pass my sister to him. Uh-huh. Uh, and like the panic on her face, you know, cause every time on visitation weekends, we passed my sister to him. I thought I was in the backseat of the car, just like, he's going to kill her. Like, I'm never going to see that kid again. Wow. It was very traumatizing. Yeah. So, and like, he would do things to spite you like he was a fucking psycho so yeah we were very scared of him and it was it was very obvious so the judge took pity and was like she can get out of here with the kid now yeah and then we had to work on you know court proceedings we have a restraining order he followed us around he died when i was 27 Mm -hmm. we left him when i was 10 he died when i was 27 in florida uh 20 minutes away from us with like current pictures of us in his apartment so wow. every time I thought somebody was watching me my whole life, somebody was watching me. So the pictures he would take sort of from afar without mm-hmm. you knowing, they weren't like just general pictures you could find on. Mm-hmm. And he had a picture in his wallet of us as a family when I was like nine. And do you think that was for nefarious reasons or do you think it was his way of feeling connected to you guys? Connect- yeah, the latter. And like the, his, so my sad. sister is his kid. So I yeah. think he was mostly watching her. And how's your sister doing? <laughs> Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on trying yeah. to repair her as a human in our relationship because I treated her like a package that had to be protected. Yeah. Less like a, a human that was a sister. And, and now we're working on that. We're very close now. How old is she? She's 28. Does she want to be a comic? No. <laughs> no. She's beautiful. She's a writer. She was a dancer for a long time. She's a flight attendant. She's she's an amazing person. And yeah. um, we're both in therapy, working through our traumas together and yeah. repairing our sisterhood. So do you, when you say work them together, like different, not the same therapist? No, 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 like, no. Okay. She lives in Florida. I live here. And uh, yeah, we reconvene sometimes and discuss. She talked me through a panic attack a couple of weeks ago. We were in Portland together. Yeah. I've been having panic attacks. That's a new yeah, thing Yeah, I, I think panic attacks are very, first of all, okay, just to give you, a, 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 I, I don't know much about, um, you know, mental illness and stuff like that. I, I, have, a, I have a daughter with a woman who um, is bipolar mm-hmm. and borderline. So mm. I guess the term is tripolar, right? Um, and I was sort of the photo negative of your situation because um, the the mother, and obviously you know this, the, the, the court will look upon the mother as the rightful. Sure. We get Typically. these. We get these like motorcycles sometimes. Don't worry, they, you can't forget it really. Um, as the rightful, you know, um, proprietor of the child. So I I didn't have much rights as as a as a dad and i was also like a super like i found out when i found out my daughter when she was two and i um so i was like 25 or something and i was like oh what's what's going on and the mother was 36 yeah i was like i was like this playboy in new york in my 20s like hey rollerblading around doing yoga on a soap opera and i was like i'm a dad well that does not compute so um my daughter's amazing now she's gonna be in my podcast she's at berkeley super woke she roasts me all the time. It's awesome. Anyway, um, but when a woman has the same similarish mental disorder, maybe that your your uh, stepdad had, mm-hmm. um, which is a really manipulative, intelligent form of bipolar. I guess they call it bipolar two because mm-hmm. it's the violent one. It manifests a different way because because you're not usually afraid of a woman physically harming you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
not that she wouldn't do things physically to be destructive, but it just, you never, I never felt unsafe. So I can't imagine that, that feeling that's, that's freaking intense. Have you written your book yet, by the way? Uh, actually I had a meeting with a manager recently who really? suggested that. And I was like, I don't think my life story is that interesting. And he's like, no, no, it is. It is. It is. I mean, I know it's like memoirs are a really hard niche market to find, but yeah. you also are a brilliant comedy writer. So it, I don't know. It just That's, seems boring at this point. Like I can talk about it so easily now because I've gone through like EMDR therapy and I've taken a lot of Molly and I've done a lot of psychedelics. And, okay. What is EMDR therapy? Uh, eye movement desensitization reprocessing. It's a, wow. uh, somebody has to be qualified to do this kind of therapy with you. And it's like, uh, for me, it was sounds like, uh, like metronome sounds with like beach noises or whatever. And they would, uh, my therapist would draw out, uh, a memory by uh -huh. not necessarily details, but like emotions as I was feeling as I was going through it. And then for like weeks after I would just like purge, like just cry just randomly all the time. I had like 11 traumatic instances that I needed processed because just talking about them was so triggering that, I mean, I was a very angry person for most sure. of my life. So I went through really, really intense uh, therapy during my first divorce. Your first divorce. Okay. <laughs> and I feel like I came out of it much better. I've been on pills for since I was 16 to 27, like a whole different cocktail of SSRIs. I have obsessive compulsive disorder. I was diagnosed when I was nine. Uh -huh. Who knows if that was going to be natural or if that was because of the abuse. Sure. Nobody knows. So, Lots of pills going on. So, I, but I went eight years recently without being on pills, and now I'm in therapy and on pills again. So, we'll see who I am on the other side of this. Well, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, you, you mentioned before we started that you are a part of the cannabis industry, mm -hmm. right? Now, I know a lot of people think, and our friend of the pod, Rachel Wolfson, talks about this that um, you know she was put on Adderall age five, mm -hmm. and all the meds that people put on to you know improve their uh, psychological condition seem counterproductive mm -hmm. and she believes like a lot of people believe that cannabis is really the only way pharmacologically to improve your mental state mm. i mean do you feel like because you, so you want to have pills for a reason obviously right did you feel like they were just controlling you or what was the um the last pill i was on so my stepdad died when i was 27 yeah. which is what triggered me to get divorced because i finally for the first time in my life felt safe to like make my own decisions and get out of a really, really terrible marriage. Yeah. And I had like a kind of a break, psychotic break uh -huh. at that age. And I was put on an antipsychotic because it was like either that or my mom was going to like stick me in an institution. Okay. So just cause, uh, cause I want to know, I want to, I'm very ignorant about this stuff. So mm -hmm. I want to know. So an antipsychotic, when you mean a psychotic break, does that mean that your relationship with the reality is, do you remember it? Like, do you remember this, where you were? Because, you know. No, I disassociated. My, my next door neighbor has a psychotic break. Mm -hmm. um, and he started talking with an accent. Oh, I didn't do that. And he changed his name. I disassociated. And it felt like somebody else was walking around in my body. Uh -huh. And I stopped caring about anything. Yeah. Um, which was good for leaving my first husband because I hadn't been able to until that point. I was yeah. st Stockholm syndrome like crazy with him. Yeah. Um, and it let me, it gave me the strength. And then I got on this pill, this antipsychotic that just gave me like this chutzpah that I was just, I could do anything. And, yeah. you know, I was like out killing it and fucking people and just having a good time. But like, it just, I was not myself. Yeah. And when I got off that pill, because my family was like, you need to get off this pill. You're, you're a manic person. So the pill just, you feel the pill made you manic and manic for sure. Yeah. Did it make you. Did it make your moral compass disappear? Were yeah. you just sort of like, yeah. Yeah, I didn't care about much. Yeah. I, it was like treating men really badly, men, yeah. boys. Well, they deserve it. Yeah. Okay. Mm. 
No, I'm just kidding. I don't think anyone deserves the way I treated some people back yeah. then. That's probably what my karma is right now. But I ended up um, getting off the pill right around the same time that I met my current almost second ex-husband. Okay. And um, I tried to kill myself. When you were married to him? No. Before you? Like right when we first started dating. When we first started trying to kill yourself. And I was still technically married to my first husband going through divorce proceedings. Yeah. And uh, tried to kill myself. And what was, so when, when you're in that space where you want to kill yourself, and you, you're off the antipsychotic at this point? Yes, and that's why. So the second you get person. off, your, your whole physiology, your nature changes yeah. and you just kind of like. Yeah. You're supposed to wean. And yeah. I like, because I was fucking manic, I was just like, I don't want to take these pills anymore. I'm going to stop. So I just stopped yes. cold turkey, cleaned my room and wrote 11 letters and put them all on my bed and like got in the bathtub and was like drawing a knife down my wrist you know yeah I had little scratch marks on my wrist and i was going to do it like at a certain number because my ocd i was counting yeah and then my phone rang and for some reason i got up out of the bathtub and answered the phone and it was him my current almost second ex-husband and so that looks like a sign like this is a guy who's going to help you and he could tell from my voice that something was up and uh, we'd only just been dating a little bit and he was like why don't you come over and i was like okay so i like <laughs> hid the letters <laughs> and i came over and he saw the the oh, cuts wow. on my wrist and was like are you okay yeah. and i was like i don't think so dude so i think i took a little like a couple week break from him for a while and just kind of focused on myself and and therapy and stuff but then we ended up obviously still together eight years yeah eight years together wow first of all i'd read that book number one because I, I look i i think that What's happening with um, with meds and psychiatry and psychology is is, is fascinating. People, a, they don't want to talk about it, mm. and and bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder are, they're like the third rail of relationships. Because mm. even even with the mother of my daughter, she was very smart, and I think a lot of people who are bipolar are very smart mm -hmm. and very manipulative, and she could kind of fake her way through the world Being as normal. like a very successful. Uh, talent manager and things just kind of kept happening right and there's a long time where she can say well i'm a victim of this stuff happening to me mm -hmm. and then even me with conversations of my daughter's grandmother i kept trying to convince the grandmother you need to get your daughter into an institution or get her on meds because she's clearly bipolar mm -hmm. and there's years and years of denial of that and because she was so smart she could just be like look i'm not bipolar she would go to a psychiatrist and convince them and convince them that yeah. she wasn't. And then, and then another psychiatrist would be like, you clearly are mm -hmm. because she would be in a bad part of her cycle. You need the meds. She'd get on the meds. Um, and then what happens, my understanding with a lot of people with bipolar is that they're very aware of what the meds are doing to them. And they know that all their emotions are being kind of hemmed in and leveled. And so when they get off it, particularly for bipolar people, they get off it. The first thing that happens is your endorphins come back and mm -hmm. you're dope and you go, I feel great. What the fuck? Yeah. You people have been, this medication has been suppressing me. You've been suppressing me. You people are awful. And then they go to like a huge manic episode that lasts about a month or two. And of course they crash from that. And then that's even worse. So um, that cycle kept happening with the mother of my, uh, I want to say baby mama, but then someone told me, don't say that. That's disrespectful. But the mother of my daughter. and um, My daughter's mother, you could say. Also. My daughter's mother, yeah. <laughs> You're doing like the Spanish way. La madre de mi hija. La madre mia. So I, um, anyway, um, and it was, it's, it's been, I mean, right now I don't have, she lives in her car. 
So my, my daughter is at Berkeley and she's a brilliant, amazing girl. And she is dealing with the fact that she has a mother that she loves, obviously, who lives in her car. And so, well, um, rent's expensive up there. That's true. But her mother doesn't live up there. Her mother oh. just lives wherever in her car. Okay. I don't know. It, it look, I, I, I want to be empathetic and I want to like help. Hey man, but van lifer, right? Van life. I don't even think it's a van. It was a van. So you did live in a van going, cause I'm, I, my I daughter live in a van. You didn't live we in a van. We had to sleep in a van a couple times. Sleep in a van a couple. Okay. Because there was like a, the shelters were full or we couldn't get there. Did you do like motels and stuff on the road? When she of, could afford it. Yeah. We got lucky because my mom is a computer programmer. So she was able to make a good living yeah. here and there and borrow a laptop from someone, you know, yeah. she's been killing it ever since. But yeah. uh, yeah, we never, we were poor for a while and it was rough, yeah. but it got better. And she still, pro is she still works as a computer programmer? Oh, wow. So you have like a whole lineage of intelligent people. We're all NASA. coders in my family. You're a coder too? Yeah, I got my, my second degree is in computer science. Okay, so you're kind of a genius, right? <laughs> no. Let's just be honest. <laughs> no. Where do you go to college? Just FAU, just a Boca Raton fucking college. Boca Raton. I, I did, I got a dance scholarship in okay. LA. Um, I actually got six dance scholarships. What um, type of dance? Ballet. I'm classically trained, but I. You were like ballet, not modern motherfucker. What do you what No, did you I say did modern. Like? I, I trained with Albanelli in New York City. Wow. And then I was a, like a Broadway tapper. That was like my thing. So. <sighs> Look, there, there's something obviously that I'm getting from you, which is this, like, and, and I really mean this. Mm -hmm. I think that women are generally just better human beings mm -hmm. than men. And it can be very difficult when you're stuffed with a lot of gifts mm -hmm. as a woman. Yes. Um, and ballet is, I mean, that is, that is a real talent. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And the fact that you got a scholarship in LA and LA, I mean, that's, I, I, I was, I'm a trained dancer too. Are you? Yeah, but like I can't like I know all the like okay, first two positions. <laughs> I did play Nuriev in a play once, okay. but um, but like the closest I could do was maybe at one point when I was in college, I thought about auditioning for like a modern dance company just to be like a guy to like lift bitches in the air. You know what I mean? Like not like a could have done it. Um, and I never went that way, but I was a like a like go go dancer and shit. That's the closest I came to. Nice. So, but but ballet is like the real yeah, legit. It's, it's the real shit. probably the most. I still do it. You still do ballet? Yeah, you take on Saturdays. Okay. Um, was Did you want to be a professional ballet dancer? I imagine that's, that was I a goal. I did. And then uh, my body changed in high school and I grew these. I didn't even tits. notice. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, well, congratulations. <laughs> and you have enormous tits. You have all this brains, all this and enormous tits, and you're a very attractive woman. So it must have been a very difficult world to navigate. I've looked 25 since I'm like 16. Oh really? So yeah. Oh, so you had predators on you and yeah, dance, 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 kid dads and stuff. Like I'd be like the older kid at the dance studio. Yeah, and they'd be like, "Yeah, hey, I was gonna." I'm like, "I'm fucking 16, bro." Like I had to say that for many years. I had to say, "I'm 16, I'm 17, I'm 18, I'm 19." And then yeah. once I hit 20, I was like, "I guess uh, I can't really." I'm I a can't really digit say now, that, you know. Yeah, and I still get that feeling sometimes when a dad creeps on me. I want to be like, "Do you know how old?" I oh shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm you too could old be my for you, third okay? husband now. <laughs> That's what I'm looking at right now. Is like, could this be my third husband? Yes. Um, so, so when did, so you, your body changes, you, you blossomed as it were in mm -hmm. high school. So you gave up the dream dancing. Now, when did comedy get into your world? Um, right around the time when I was getting divorced for the first time, meeting my current almost ex-husband. I'm not going to name him. That's fine. Everyone knows who it is. And, uh, oh, so he's a fancy person. He's an Instagram influencer. Okay. Um, and he's doing really well and his girlfriend's really beautiful and he seems like he's really happy. So great. Are you guys at least friendly? Nope. 
<laughs> uh, I don't ever want to speak to him again. Yes. He did me fucking dirty. Yeah. Anyways, um, comedy. I met him. The first night I met him was at a comedy club. I wasn't doing comedy yet. I was in my, getting my second degree. I was headed to grad school. I'd already gotten into grad school. So I was like en route in three weeks, going to go to grad school. For what? Uh, computational linguistics. Oh, everyone does that. My first degree is linguistics. My second okay. degree is computer science. So put them together. Parsing Jeez. natural language using artificial language. Anyway, so I was already in. I already had my student loans lined up, whatever, whatever. I go to pick up a drunk friend at a comedy club in Boca Raton, the Funky Buddha, if you guys know about it. <laughs> and I meet my current almost ex-husband. I'm just going to keep calling him Is he him living him there? Do you want to give a, a We're funny... We're going to call him fu- Chad. Funny nickname? Chad. To, Chad? Okay, Chad. Okay. Uh, Chad was living in Boca. He had just graduated from college. He was very young and he was doing comedy there. And I was there with my drunk friend and I was mad at him for getting, for falling off the wagon. So I was like, I'm going to fucking hit on one of these kids. And I chose him. (laughs) And he took me on a date two days later to the same comedy club to see a comedy show because my friend was trying to convince me to go up. He was like, you're one of the funniest people I've ever met. He's like, you need to do comedy. And I grew up without cable my whole life. So I didn't understand. You hadn't seen comedy. What stand up comedy was. I've heard that from 27 of... years old. And I was like, what is oh, this? Oh, you're 27. You'd never, I'd never, never watched Carlin or Pryor or Eddie no Murphy. No cable my whole life, dude. I didn't know oh, what that wow. was. I didn't know any, I mean, I'd watched a couple episodes of Seinfeld and I was like, what's, what is this that he's doing? It was like so, so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, until I heard like Dane Cook's album. And even then I was Harmful like, of Swallow, just probably. Like, talking is this yeah like you can just talk about funny shit it was very weird so i saw him doing comedy and we and on our first date i actually got arrested for cannabis possession that's so funny and that derailed my whole fucking life i couldn't go to grad school i had to stay in state i had to go to fucking court i had to take a class my god my mom withdrew uh support she didn't understand anything that was going on like i mean how much how much weed did you have an eighth and a pipe and I was in a car. How, how crazy is that 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 gets criminalized I've, so dude, bad? Dude, I'm from Florida. I'm kind of hood. I've been thrown in cuffs like 11 times for weed. And this was the one time that this motherfucker was training a rookie and like had to follow through oh, with it. Oh my God. They didn't book me because I was standing there just like, really wish you guys weren't doing this right now. And they were like, you need to calm down, ma'am. And I was like, <laughs> I am the calmest that anyone's ever been. And then my friend's husband, who's a cop, showed up in his second cop car. And he's like, what's going on? I was like, bro, you know that I do weed. <laughs> yeah. But the, so they didn't like cuff me, book me that night, but they did like technically arrest me and release me on my own recognizance. So was um, that because a misdemeanor or a felony or what is that? Misdemeanor. Misdemeanor. Yeah. But I got the charges dropped because I went to the cord and i went to did the class and everything i did have to spend a day in jail what is a class like that like uh the guy put his feet up on the desk and told me to pass out the papers and run the class that's how it was so i did that i ran that class yeah yeah um i'm very bossy and (laughs) that's how i started comedy was because i was like i can't go to grad school i was like you're a cute kid chad you want to keep fucking he's five years younger than me Uh uh and he was like yeah let's keep fucking and i was like cool uh, I work late. You work late. I'll see you at the comedy club. So I started going to mics and stuff with him. And then his but you were performing. I know, yet. not yet. Yeah. And his friends were like, "You should go up." And I was like, "All right." Did you think at this point we we're like, "I'm funnier than this fucking dude"? No, I hate myself. <laughs> I hate myself. Well, we all hate ourselves. Uh, I know but. I am now, <laughs> but uh, no, I hate myself. So, so you didn't think you had the confidence or the ability or whatever? No, to, but yeah. the first, very first time I stepped on stage, it was no fear because I'd been dancing with my half naked body my whole yeah, life. Yeah, for sure. This is nothing. Talking? Never had a problem with talking. Yeah. So, it so was, you weren't nervous when you went for the first time? Mm-mm, That's Very crazy. organic, very natural. Um, and then I got better fast. And then a year and a half later, we moved to LA together. 
And the idea was like, we're, he was still a comic. Yeah. I guess and he wanted to be in movies and yeah. LA, LA. I wanted to go back to New York because I had been a dancer there. Sure. I was comfortable. I'm Jewish. Like it yeah. felt, and I'm a writer, writer. I like this. I was like, this feels like more my domain. And I do think that I would be more successful if I had gone to New York. I really do feel like that. But so I went to, we went to LA and three months later, Patton Oswalt retweets me, blows up my Twitter. I open for him. Do you remember what the tweet was? Yeah. It's the one that's pinned to my page. You guys can go look at it. It's about Mexican waiter. And, um, my career just fucking like accelerated. So that from was there. crazy. So just, I mean, I know we can look it up. But can you say what the tweet is though? Okay. Um, my Mexican waiter put my food down in front of another white lady who looks nothing like me. I get it now. Oh wait, that's not my waiter. Oh, I did read that. That's genius. Yeah. Thanks. 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 So Patton Oswalt just randomly. How was? Were you following? How do you even know that? No, I didn't even know who he was. That's so funny. Uh, Everyone told me, I like looked at my phone. I was at work. I worked at a comedy club doing social media and I opened my phone and my notifications were blowing up and I was like, what the fuck happened? And like someone had to sleuth for me and they were like, Patton Oswalt retweeted you. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Because I wasn't like. so funny. And then I figured out, I was like, oh, I know him. I know him. And then uh, he DM'd me and was like, want to come open for me at the fake gallery? And I was like, what the fuck? But did you indicate that you were doing stand up in your your Twitter? Yeah. yeah. My bios always said that. Okay. Okay. So at and this point you've been you stand for how long? A year and a half. A year and a half, and you open for mm-hmm. arguably one of the best comics mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. And he's we've been in touch, and uh, so so you said yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And then what was that like? It was a theater, I imagine, right? Or was it? It uh, was a like an art gallery, and he came out and opened and brought me up, oh my God. and then I brought him up. Did he, did he t- say how he found you yep, when he brought you yep. up? And then, a year later, he was on Sirius Radio, like Opie and whatever that show Opie is. Anthony, yeah. My little brother is a little redneck in Florida, and he was listening to this Sirius XM show, yeah. and he recorded that Pat Oswalt was talking about how funny people on Twitter were, and he read my tweet out loud, and then he read like five more of my tweets out loud, and mentioned me by name, and my little brother's like shitting himself, like so excited. I have the coolest sister yeah. in the world. He like recorded it and played it for me. I was like, that's adorable. I was like, thanks, Pat Oswalt, for like keeping that going. You know, he's just he's just a really good fucking dude, and he really yeah. likes funny women, and he really yeah. he has like a need to help people who are, you know don't have the leg up that like a typical straight white man has in the industry. So he's a fucking mensch and I'm a big fan. So you, how was it when you opened for him that first time? And that must, that that wasn't nerve wracking at all at this point. I had run my set. Uh, I've been in LA for three months. Okay. So trying to get shows, I mean, I had to just, you have to get your perfect distilled set. Yes. Yes. So I had, um, and he was like, can you do 15? (laughs) I had been doing comedy for a year and a half and I was just like, sure. Yeah. Yeah, No problem. So I think I did 13. Yeah. Uh, and he ended up telling me like great stuff. I really like your, your darkness. Uh, you know, hit me up if you ever need help with shows or anything. And then I just never, I never did. I'm not, I don't lean in. I don't ask for things. I have never asked for a show. Did you feel so you opened from that one time, it didn't open from anymore? No. You realize how crazy that is, right? I, I don't ask for things, and that's a problem. I'm, tr- I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I've never asked for Because it's not even like you're asking. It's like him saying, like, here, yeah. here's a pen, grab it. I said, it. no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need your fucking pen. I don't need it. Um, so that's, that's re- but you're still, t- I mean, how about now? Would you ask him now? Uh, Once I'm back fully into it. Right now, my set's a little... F- 
fucking discombobulated because I'm in so much pain. Yes. Uh, I've And I took like a two year break because I was so depressed with my current almost ex-husband with Chad yeah. um, because he said no kids. And I was like, okay, I agreed before we got married. I was like, you're right. I don't want kids either. Let's just not do it. And then uh, something changed in me. Sure. Yeah. And I think I just resented him. And then our lifestyle didn't like elevate the way I thought it would. And it, nothing, cha- nothing changed when we got married. And it was sure. just, I felt just stuck. So I was super depressed. I was home all the time. I got a dog. I was just, I didn't even hardly do stand up anymore. I was what, just, what were you doing for work in, in the meantime? Cannabis. Cannabis. Yeah. I've been so in cannabis what, for eight years. So what does that entail in terms of working in the cannabis field? What does that mean? Um, I mean, I've done everything from like being a promo model at cannabis cups, selling okay. vapes and dabs to like, I mean, now I'm a marketing director at a dispensary that also has a distribution and manufacturing side and we're franchising. So it's like a big a big job, you yeah. know, a big important job where like I can't be late and I can't miss days and I can't be high, you yeah. know. So it's like a it's a legit office job, but it's just more chill because it's cannabis. Yeah. You know. And uh, there's a lot of rules and regulations and compliance in the cannabis industry. It's a, it's a lot of things to remember all what the time. What do you mean by that? I mean th- I mean all of our staff has to wear name tags with their license number on it. And okay. there's like certain things that they're not allowed to smoke at all. When can't you're smoke on the premises. Nobody mm-hmm. can smoke on the premises. We have to have security guards. There's like limitations to everything we can have. All the products themselves are, it's everything is so strict that yeah. we have like a team of lawyers and still we're learning every day, something else you can or cannot do. And laws are constantly changing. Yeah. It's a big job and uh, I love it. I've stepped into it and I've really owned it. Um, but now that I feel like more secure and stable in that job, I'm definitely opening up my creative side more. So yeah. I'm doing stand up a little bit. I just moved recently. So that's, is very stressful as yes. sure you. Divorce, very, very moving, all that. And like he just picked, cherry picked his shit and left our two bedroom, two bathroom apartment. And I had to do all the rest of everything. And yeah. That's when the panic attack started. And I don't think it's because I miss him and I love him so much. I think it's just the stress of all the things I had to do to yeah. pick up the pieces. Of course. So um, dis- disconnect this account and get off this thing and end this cable bill and take this to the oh post office. It's just been so, it's been nonstop. Yeah. Plus I have this big job. Plus I have everybody contacting me all the time. And you have no family that can help you. Um, not in town, but yeah. luck, tons of friends, people yeah. I didn't even realize were my friends. I'm surrounded That's good. by love. I have been just lifted up by a storm of people. Yeah. I've never alone. I, I can always find somebody to have a meal with or have a talk to. If I post about having a panic attack, four people call me. Yeah. So, and these panic attacks, I'm hoping they go away because they came right around the moving time. Yeah. Now I want to talk to you a little bit about panic attacks because I think a lot of people don't really know what a panic attack is I didn't. because there's, there's, it's kind of like when people say, and I'm not saying this is women, but it's mostly women. They go, oh, I have a migraine. I'm like, you have a headache. Not every headache is a migraine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Some of us get migraines. Not every time you freak out, it's a panic attack. Right. So um, for people who don't really know what a panic, because what I've heard about panic attacks is very different from my experience of what I would call a panic attack, mm-hmm. where I'm just like, smoking weed in a hotel room and I start freaking out and I think I can't breathe and I pace around and I have to like convince myself I'm not going to die. Mm-hmm. That lasts very briefly. Mm-hmm. But uh, my understanding of a real panic attack is is much more severe than that. Yeah. So how did that first manifest itself with you? Uh, I was sleeping alone in bed and um, my heart rate kicked up. I have a resting heart rate of like 55 beats per minute. Because you're like, that means you have good cardio, right? I, I'm very athletic, yes. Okay. Um, and then I 
was looking at my heart rate and I did my little app on my watch and I watched it go up to like 130. Jesus. Um, and I was like, what? And like my logical brain was trying to be like, what's happening? What did I ingest? Did I have yeah, some kind of caffeine? Some you know, I'm like trying to analyze to. what I've done. Nothing. I've done nothing. I couldn't eat. I was so depressed for the first few weeks. I couldn't fucking eat anything. And he called me fat. He said my body was gross. So I was like not being able to eat and like working out so hard all the time. So I was like trying to analyze like, what is this? What What's going on with my body right now? And then uh, I couldn't catch my breath. And I just kept thinking this feeling of impending doom. Like I'm going to fucking die any yeah. minute now. And then uh, I stood up and I tried to like uh, come back to my body, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I just walked around my apartment touching walls. And I felt like I, w- I wasn't having a tangible connection to them because I was having such an out-of-body experience and then I ended up waking up on my living room floor face down with my dog laying on top of me. So you blacked out? I blacked out. I had no idea what was going on and I did that three more times before I sought help Um, and I because I didn't I was just like this is a weird thing that's happening. So when you black out like that do you know how long you're out for? Mm -mm. I mean were you ever like wake up like oh my god it's four in the morning and I went to bed at midnight? I wake up at four every day now so no. No. Okay, that's so not how it was. I, no. no, I have no idea how long, how long any of this was. It's, it's, I stayed disassociated for a couple of days after yeah. as well, just like out of my body, just freaked out. And then recently it's been, uh, like a couple, I'll get triggered at work by something and I'll go like to a safe room, like a room that has safes in it is what I mean by that. And, um, try to just be alone for a minute and I end up crying a lot and, yeah. and panting and hyperventilating and I, and I check my my heart rate, I look later and it goes, jumps up to 130 or 150. Sure. Um, and my employees found me in there one day and I didn't know how I'd gotten there. And they didn't, I wasn't making any sense when I was talking and they like wow. stood me up and my therapist now is working with me, like how to like look five things you can see for, there's all these things you can do and there's breathing. The only thing that brings me back is when someone shakes me or touches me or one of my employees yesterday was uh, rubbing my shoulders. Um, and I, but I, I cry, I sob now during these panic attacks, sobbing yeah. like uh, pretty bad. what triggers you? Uh, it's so many things. It's so many things. And I, you're, you're learning the things that trigger you. I imagine to go, do you know what triggered you that first night it happened? Do you know the thing, the thought or the, uh, I, I'm sorry. It's I okay. do. We don't have to talk about it. I reached my foot out, uh, for his. Got it. And he wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. I mean, yeah, I understand. I'm very, so. I've been very lonely. I'm yeah. dating, but it's not, I don't sleep over and I don't, Yeah, I'm not ready for that yet. And it's just very, it's eight years with my best friend of course. that I loved with every inch of my heart. Yeah. Uh, and he betrayed me so badly. Yeah. So in, in the, in the dating world, I mean, first of all, dating in LA is notoriously just like tough and a shit show. And God knows yeah. like I've had no success for it, but, um, and we talked very briefly before the, about like dating apps and stuff like that. And you're like, no, I'll never do it. Not doing I'm it. I'm never going to stoop that low. I mean, I have um, Twitter and Instagram. What do I need dating apps for? Yeah. Matt, do you get like people slide into your DMs all the time? Every fucking day now. What is, what is the usual, what's the usual like salvo, opening salvo? For uh, well, now it's, hey, this is terrible timing. I know. But I was wondering if you'd like to go out sometime. Oh, because they're, they're following you. Now, meanwhile, and I'm just like, I'm hey, do my, I had no idea you're going through the middle of a divorce. Yes, you did. I did? my tweets didn't you um i guess i did i guess you, sometimes i think like it's a i, I don't a know if it's a breakup or like how long ago it was or you know it was what pretty I mean? recent it was august um it was, yeah it's very recent yeah it was pretty recent but i'm already dating again he has a girlfriend and i'm 
I'm dating somebody. I was dating somebody before a comic and then I'm dating like a writer right now. I don't know if it's going to last. I don't think he likes me very much. So <laughs> I'm like a little hood and people don't realize that. So when, what does that mean? You're a little hood. Like I'm a little gangster, a little tough. I listen to hip hop and yeah, yeah. I don't take any shit and I curse. And so I, you'll I be somewhere you'll be like, hey, what the fuck are you looking at? And you're like, hey, calm down, Adrian. Yeah, he, I think he thinks I'm pretty intense. And like sometimes I'll make fun of the things I say if I'm like, oh, I'm finna go get this, whatever. He's like, oh, finna. And I'm like, I'm from <laughs> South Florida. Like, I'm, I'm hood. I love that. I love it. So, um, and my friend said the other day, she was like, I think you might be a little too gangster. He's a nice boy. But at the same time, I think that my belief is best relationships are like complimentary traits, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I'm always drawn to like, like girl boss, strong type, a mm -hmm. organized women, because I'm kind of like, I'm just kind of here. Mm -hmm. I'm a little messy. You want us to I'm not whip you in shape. Uh, not we like, love to do it. We love to see it. But like, I, like I, I tweeted the other day, something like, I, I just want to, I want to be, like have a girl who I'll stand behind the red carpet holding her purse while secretly having a big act. That's why I wrote in the tweet. But there's truth to the idea. Like I like the idea of like I don't want to be in charge of the relationship. I want someone who's like kind of running the show because until you don't. Yeah, I know that is. Huh? Chad got tired of it. He got tired of it. So because that was the the nature of your relationship that you were kind of like I ranch it. You ranch it. I'm older. I'm wiser. I've been through more shit. I've already been married. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and he kind of resented whatever the fuck that meant or something? I think he just got tired of being bossed around and not being able to do everything he wanted all the time, like a fucking college kid. So, yeah. you know, you're 31. Go run your dick through Hollywood, dude. <laughs> yeah. do, do your thing. So what do you think that you've learned from this relationship? Men Moving ain't forward. shit. <laughs> really? Come on. I don't trust. I don't think I will ever trust anyone ever again. Including women or just men? Men. Men. Well, it was women involved as well, wasn't it? Yeah. So So do you think you won't trust them in terms of men will cheat? Yeah. Okay. So does that open up the idea of you'd be you'd want an open or polyamorous relationship? Is that no. something that doesn't interest you at all? It doesn't. No. Yeah. I'm a jealous person. I think that I, I first of all, I totally get that and I am always myself, I'm always amazed how many men I know that like go to like Robin Tugs and shit like that. That are like married, yeah, and they, they go need to like, that attention. And they go to, but even like, a, I'm like, why would you go to a? And some guys, I'm not going to name names, but I've been with comics who are like, hey man, like well known comics, are like we're hanging out, like hey, let's go to Rub and Tug, and I'm like, I'm not going to do a Rub and Tug, but I'll go with you, and I like will literally go to the room. I'll get a massage. Seriously, like a 60, 70 year old Asian woman will come out, and he'll go in the room and get a rubbed. I'm and so for him, it's almost like mechanical. Mm -hmm. He doesn't need to be attracted to the woman because it's like a process and then he'll come out walking on sunshine like mm -hmm. hey man i feel great i'm like i don't know Ugh. so um so i get that however there are a lot of very monogamous men out there i know who who are you know so i'll find one i know i, I want a family and i have some things i'm not going to compromise i mean obviously i've been married twice people try to lock it down yeah i've been in a couple long-term relationships before that as well and yeah. like i i know that i'm i have value as yeah. a partner because well, you're also one of these people because of how funny you are and your looks and uh, everything else that I fuck good. <laughs> you fuck well. I've been told pretty recently. <laughs> so well, that's good. That's always mm -hmm. a high five after sex. So I think that um, oh, 
actually. They heard me say I fuck good. That's so funny because that's Mike's, that's Mike's girlfriend. How funny is that? <laughs> Glitch. She's like, what the fuck is going on? I feel something in the force. Um, but she dumped me because I live in this apartment. Anyway. Okay. So, uh, so now, the, first of all, you have all this stuff going on, obviously, in mm-hmm. your in your brain and in your body, all this stuff. What what do you what do you what's the goal? You want to have a family, and mm-hmm. while you have family, do you want to write sitcoms? Do you want to write movies? Do you have like a thing that you kind of go? I want to be rich, and I want to talk for a living. Yeah, and I want to fuck a lot, <laughs> like my my next husband. I want to just have like a dope ass relationship because we did for a long time. Yeah. For, for many, many years. I would say six of those eight years were spent just so fucking all the time. He was fucking. obsessed with my body. Yes. And I loved that. What now when he, you said that he said that you were, you were fat, like, mm-hmm. so I let myself go. Oh. I don't look like I used to look. Yeah, oh God, that's great. Anyway. So, all right. That was the worst, especially for someone who did ballet and already had body dysmorphia. Yeah. To have someone say that to the person that you trusted most in the whole fucking world. But do you think, but where is that coming from? When a guy says that, he's that's coming from he's like justifying awful place. the things that he did. Yes, of course. Um, and it's fine. He can make his own decisions and do whatever he wants to do. He's going to have much success in Hollywood and his girlfriend's beautiful and he looks like he's just living his best life. That's amazing. Yes. Can't wait to get divorced. Move on with my fucking life. Uh, I have to see him pretty soon at the courthouse, and I'm not looking forward to that. That's what gave me a panic attack yeah, two days ago. Yeah, I could see that, yeah. Um, I just had a tweet about being at the courthouse. So the courthouse, now, when you do the, because I was in court for like two and a half years for an apartment situation. I don't which, have to do that. This is going to be an easy dissolution of marriage. M- mediation, like you're mm-hmm. at, a, at a nope. conference table? Nope, none of that. So why do you even have to see him? Because he has to be present to file. To sign with papers? Because I have to petition and he has to take the petition fill out his shit and then they submit it it's like a self-help center we're doing is it like any record reconcilable differences type of thing or you're actually going for grievances i oh whatever i don't want to get into uh, it's it. california's a no-fault state oh, so right. i can't go for grievances and that's because I men make, are fucking awful and they run california yeah. and i make uh, significantly more money than he does so oh. i would like to not be involved in any of those proceedings so yes yes and he's you know. not trying to Get he can't see for palimony because he was never a dependent and he can't yeah. prove that I supported him in most ways. I mean, yeah. a little bit, but not. he couldn't prove it. And um, my best friend's a lawyer. I'm Jewish. So <laughs> don't fucking try it. You know, he just yeah. he wants out as badly as I do. We yeah. both we we were just best friends living together and he could have done this a lot more amicably for sure. Yeah. But like invariably, I wanted out, too. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy to be free. I just don't like that I had to be uh, destroyed in the process, eviscerated, yeah. if you will. My yeah. I, All my self-esteem and self-worth, you know, taken into consideration and thrown out the window. Yeah. So that's what I'm struggling with right now. Yeah. Well, I hope, I mean, whatever, for what I, I hope you recognize, like you said, where it's coming from from him. It's mm-hmm. coming from justifying shitty behavior yeah. and not based on any reality at all. I've, I'm coming to terms with that with therapy and the 6,000 friends saying it to me all the time. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Prozac is helping. <laughs> uh, I was taking Clonopin for a while because it was preventing the panic attacks, but it was making me sleepy and zombie-like. Now, what's Clonopin for? Is that antipsychotic or is that like... It's a tranquilizer. Tranquilizer, okay. And I was taking the tiniest, tiniest amount. Yeah. Like a quarter of the tiny bit that they prescribed me, and it was still making me like a zombie. And my friends were like, you have to stop 
taking the clonopin and I was like, I take it and I don't have a panic attack. And they were like, you need to go, you need to go through this. You need to take them and and accept them and learn how to cope with them. And one of the things you mentioned, you talked about psychedelics. Mm -hmm. I've always been super, super interested in ayahuasca. Yeah. I've done it twice. You've done it twice. Mm -hmm. Did you go like to Peru and do the whole thing? No, Joshua tree. Joshua tree. Mm -hmm. Now, what does that look? Is that a weekend process? Cause I've heard different things. Like a one night, you can do a a two night. And you you have a shaman, right? Yep. And some guardians and you just... And how do you get hooked up with that? <laughs> I think uh, I want to know. I'm just... You just ask I know around. a lot of people. And they go... Usually with ayahuasca, if you're looking for it, it will find you. It will find you. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've been looking for it, but it hasn't really found me. Well, hello. Hi. I okay, got you. there we go. I'll forward you an email right I'm now. I'm so terrified. But Because no. I haven't really done anything. Don't be terrified. I mean, yes, the people are afraid lot, of the right? puking. Yeah. Everyone's got a purge bucket. Everyone pukes. It's just a thing that you go through. It's just a yeah. thing that you... And if you follow the dieta, if you eat the food that you're supposed to and you don't have salt and nuts and candy and caffeine and alcohol, you don't even purge that much. But yeah. it's your body getting rid of those toxins. And that's when the anxiety comes and you have... Feels like a panic attack. So, what did you can, can you describe that process a little bit? The ayahuasca. Um, sure. Yeah. Thing? I, mean, I just you, you, watched you the path. Talk initially and chant a little bit, and they give you a little bit of a pure nicotine, and you sniff it. So you open up your nasal passages, so that when you do purge, you're not like stuffy. And there's a lot of thought that goes into it. Yeah. Drink some tea. Um, drink the ayahuasca. The shaman usually delivers a dose to you based on like what she thinks. Were you nervous going into it? Like, oh, terrified. Yeah. I was afraid I was going to blurt out all my secrets. To, you Random know, people. to Chad. Yeah. Uh, oh, because you did it with him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Not next to each other, but in the same tent, you know? Yeah, for um, sure. And we did everything together for almost eight years. Yeah. <laughs> it's very weird for me. I like, I, he should be here right now. Because a lot of people, well, a lot of people say that ayahuasca is like the pinnacle of sort of psychological uh, treatment. And like, DMT was the one for me that like... What did DMT me, do? Blast me to another fucking dimension where like... I stopped caring so much about shit because I'm type A, I have OCD and uh-huh. I'm like very intense, very severe, very serious. And seeing that world and I saw uh, gnomes, elves, if you will, uh-huh. and like draconian people and they basically- Draconian people? Yeah, like like a reptilian looking. Okay. Uh, yeah, I sat down to dinner with this draconian family and the, the lizard mom was like, get the fuck out. Like, well, she didn't say it, but she said it with her face. You know yeah. what I mean? So it was like pretty intense. But the the gnomes, when I showed up, my friend said I was laughing while I was under DMT. I showed up and they were like pushing like wheelbarrows of color around and they were like, ah, hi. <laughs> and it was like wonderful and amazing. But the feeling that you got was that this is a show we're putting on for you. You're allowed to come in here briefly. And now it's time to go. So wow. it was very like, and then, Hi, Uh, I got the feeling that like, that's a world that exists and knows about us and possibly even controls us. And we get to peek into it sometimes, but that we, we can't go there frequently unless we do, you know, drugs, DMT, mushrooms, things like that. So ever since then, I've just been kind of like, nothing really matters. Yeah. Well, a lot of people Don't say about that it. when you do DMT or ayahuasca, I guess it's the same molecule. Yeah. It's just like a, a DMT is like a shot, whereas ayahuasca is like a glass of wine yeah. that you drink all night. Yeah. A lot of people say it helps conquer your fear of death. For you, sure. Yeah. And Bring it. Yeah. Valhalla, come. Oh, wow. Mm. I got to do it because I'm terrified of death. And it also I'm terrified of my you. parents' death and everything else, you know? Yeah. I see my, my mom's death a lot. That's pretty scary. I highly recommend. I do mushrooms regularly and I take a little microdoses of acid and I'll yeah. go like snowboarding and shit. I've, you snowboard? Mm-hmm. What aren't you good at? That's amazing. I'm just athletic. I just do. Yeah, yeah, athletic. Do you, um, 
I've heard that sometimes when you do ayahuasca or DMT, that a woman's voice kind of mm-hmm. guides. Did that my grandmother you the first time? It was so. Oh, intense. you knew it was your grandmother too. It was lit- like they call it the grandmother ayahuasca. They call it the grandmother mo- wow. like the spirit molecule. And I literally saw her. She died when I was twelve, and I saw her and my mom make up in my brain, which I always wish they could have done like in real life. And she and it's not really speaking or like a communication that you're having, but like she showed me all the things I had done that were bad or wrong. Uh And then she showed me what could be, what I could be. And it was like visions of like me on stage killing it or like me behind the camera or in front of the camera. And like, I started my web series after I did ayahuasca. My standup changed completely. It got way more intelligent and way less hacky. And like, yeah, everything just got a lot more intense. And the second time I did ayahuasca, Chad and I decided to get married because we saw the world end and I saw him in my vision and he saw me. And you were, you were together the second time too when you did ayahuasca. All the side of the tent, but yeah. Yeah. So we were like in the same, in the same world. And he was basically like, this is how I know I'm supposed to be with you forever. And I was like, me too, dude. And obviously you're like, fuck you ayahuasca. Mm, mm. Wow. That's, I mean, that's, (laughs) how are we doing? Um, it was intense. Highly recommend yeah. ayahuasca. Yes. Highly recommend. Tommy, have, you, recommend have you done DMT. ayahuasca, Tommy? No. Recommend DMT. Recommend mushrooms. I recommend. If you could choose one, one, DMT or ayahuasca, you'd go with DMT. DMT. Yeah. Because it only lasts for like twenty minutes. Ten at most. I would do. I would do DMT. It's way intense. But I want to do it with someone I love. You know what I mean? Well, you, you need music. You need like a beat playing so that you don't float away, and you need other people there, and you need a dab rig is probably best. You need that high heat. A dab rig. Do you dab? He probably does. Dab. It's concentrated marijuana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you do that with the DMT? No. Dabs are concentrated marijuana. Yeah. So the device it looks like a bong, but it's got a titanium nail that heats up to like up to a thousand degrees, mm-hmm. which you shouldn't be doing. Your dab's that hot. You know, no more than 600 degrees, really. You're burning the terpenes out of them. But if you use a rig like that for the DMT, it's yeah, it's the, the best. Wow. You just might be too smart for me to I understand what that. the hell you're talking about, really. Because no, that's actually... It's just inside baseball. This is cannabis jargon. I think I'm going to do it. Now, do you, now I want to ask about cannabis real quick. Do you, do you feel that, what is the future of that in terms of LA or the future? Of, do, you, do you feel that it is, in terms of its influx into how it's changing the pharmaceutical industry? Oh, do you for th- sure. We're going to be like, your, your endocannabinoid system is designed to intake CB1 and CB2 receptors for cannabis. Everybody's body is. Yeah. And... The terpenes that are present in plants, these are the aromatic, aromatic compounds that like when you smell lavender uh-huh. and sometimes weed smells like that too. Yeah. That's linalool is the terpene inside lavender that is relaxing. It's the same one that's in like an indica plant that makes you feel oh. tired. So there's like, and mango has myrcene in it, which is also in hops, which is why sometimes weed smells like beer and makes you sleepy because that's what makes it have that that indica, that body buzz high. So yeah. these are terpenes. I think that the, it, the we're going to move away from indica sativa hybrid and it'll be like terpene profiles that match your specific endocannabinoid system as, as for and they'll like, be able to like profile that with like a DNA yeah. scan or something. Are you making little faces? <laughs> I have no idea. Your dog? Your dog. It went yeah. that away. Yeah. I thought it went that way. Yeah. By the way, um, that's part of the charm of this podcast. My <laughs> crazy neighbor who always comes around. Hollywood. Cannot get enough attention. It's Hollywood. I get it. Me if I can Mars. Anyway, um, so and now in terms of what you do to make that happen, do you, like you're an activist, I guess, at yes. some level. Big yeah. time. Um, so what is the, what is your biggest goal, like as an activist? Break the cannabis? stigma. 
break the stigma. Break the stigma. Like just because I consume weed, which I can't even do right now because it triggers the panic attacks. I did smoke at a Halloween party this past weekend and I was awesome. So I'm going to try to do it again. Yeah. I'm going to try to do it again. Is there a certain weed that you know will trigger it or weed that won't or it's not that? I try to stay away from sativas, which you can do if you smell it and it smells like uh, lemonine is uh, like citrus. If it smells like citrus, you're probably going to get some anxiety if you get uh-huh. that. So uh, I did hit a couple of hits of an indica joint and then the guy I'm dating was like, you're fucking awesome right now. And I was like, I know. That's why I smoke <laughs> weed because I'm awesome on weed. Because it like tones me down a little bit. I'm still super nerdy yeah. on weed, maybe even more so, but just like in a funnier way, like a yeah. more relaxed way. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to try, I'm going to try to do weed again, but that would be my biggest thing is people like stop thinking that everybody that smokes weed is like, you know, like we're not like that. I don't smoke. I've never smoked weed during the day. I've never been that bitch. And, uh, I smoke weed at night to like, you know, thanks for the cigarettes. (laughs) You smoke weed. Now I, you know, we talked about this and yeah, that's, that's, you're taking my goddamn $25 joint. Okay, fine. It's fine. It's fine. Go ahead. Anyway, cigarettes are bad for you. They are bad for you. Mm -hmm. Bullshit. Okay. Don't smoke cigarettes. Um, don't smoke cigarettes. People. Yeah, Mia. Okay, I'll have a little bit of that. I have a hard out in six minutes. Six minutes. I, lo- I love hard out. That's like, you sound so... <laughs> I got a thing. Why do I like bossy people? <laughs> you you use the term bossy so I can say it. I am. Anyway, um, so so what... Now, I hate to say like five-year, ten-year plan because you, you obviously have like a million things going on. And you <laughs> get through to, the day, bro. Get through the day. <laughs> Without day having a panic attack in front of my employees. But you also have like... A, and I hate, to, I hate to overuse the term genius, but you're obviously a fucking genius. You're a comedy a genius. genius. You're a person... You're a genius genius. So, um, which by the way, you're in LA with that? Ugh, what a waste. But uh, but do you, do you write feature films and TV shows? Is there a one-woman show? You got to do a one-woman show. You know, I mean, come on. I met with a manager actually the day that my husband broke up with me. I met with a manager who was like talking about his goals for me. I'll take a hit. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure it's uh, an indica. It's called yeah. Cavi J. Oh, it's a Cavi cone? It's so a- it's got infusion on it? I don't know. Take one hit. We'll try it. Um what did you just ask me? <laughs> Sorry, working. Uh, you, you said you met with a manager. Yeah, yeah, I met with a manager. Um, some projects he threw at me, including a book. And then uh, it was the Lions Gate that night. Do you remember that when like the planets were doing some weird shit? Oh yeah. So met with the manager. Awesome day. Awesome day at work. Come home. Go to dinner with my husband. And he dumps me. The same day that like. My all career stuff is just like changes. And yeah. like my friends are all like, that's intentional. That's the universe blah, 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 being like, this is the wrong path. This is the right one. Like yeah. focus on you. Do you, you know? Yeah. And ever since then, I've been like, besides like when I couldn't eat or sleep or do anything or function, uh, I had to take like a week off of work. I just was a fucking wreck of a human. Yeah. But then uh, as soon as I found out about some shit that he'd been doing, then I got to be angry yeah. and that motivated me and moved me forward. And I have all these projects going and I feel really confident about my future as a writer. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to be writing some cannabis shit coming up soon for a new magazine. Uh, actually, a revitalized magazine, which I'm really excited about because I don't want to be edited. I, like I wrote for LA Weekly. I wrote for a couple of things here and there. And I don't really like when um, my words are glossed over sure. and, and changed, especially when it's a male editor, because I have a lot of feminine markers I use in my in my speech patterns. And I don't like it when they truncate my like, sentences. What, what is and, a feminine marker? Like you can just feel from the flow, like coordinating, subordinating conjunctions, like longer sentences, uh, adjectives that 
that are a little more a little more feminine like like I don't know. I want to say like lovely, but like shit like that. Like when less I describe staccato or, yeah. less staccato, less truncated, less uh, brief, you know, mm-hmm. and I know brevity is the soul of wit, but like you can always tell when a male editor edited That's your so shit. so fascinating. Yeah. I don't like it. So uh, this uh, magazine I'm going to write for, it's a woman, a woman editor. And I was like, are you going to censor me? And she's like, bitch, write what you want. That's great. And I was like, fuck yes. So. I'm gonna write about the vape uh, scandal that's going oh, on right yeah. now because I'm very well versed in it. Is it legit? Like, are vapes killing people? You'll have to read my article and find okay. out. I will. I will. <laughs> Stay tuned to my byline. Again, put yourself a Google alert for Adrian Earhart. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, we, I know you have to go, so we can wrap this up. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, what, what do you want to plug? What do you want to like? You, you want to manifest something right now? Well, I'm bringing my podcast back, which I used to do with my ex-husband. I'm calling him my ex-husband because he will be soon enough um it's called glitchin glitchin and it's about the coincidences and deja vu occurrences that happen in our lives that feel way too coincidental to not have some kind of interference you know what i mean it's like now that since i did dmt i'm like oh they're they're fucking with us for sure so uh and it could be anything from like just a a basic coincidence like the other day i was singing that fleetwood mac song rhiannon Uh um and and walking down the street with my friends it's my sister's name yeah my sister called me right then yeah. As I was singing Rhiannon. Yeah. That's a fucking glitch. So mm. people are like, what is a glitch? It's it's that. Like it's that. There's so many things. I saw my cousin perform on Broadway before I knew she was my cousin. That's a glitch, you know, found out later. Yeah. So th- shit like that. Uh, that's what my podcast is about. I'm looking, I'm meeting with a producer who heard me on a different podcast and was like, let me run your shit. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's do it. So it's coming back. So stay tuned for Glitchin. Uh, I don't know when it's coming back. I I like I had to move. I had to do all this shit. I'm like not super high functioning right now. I'm you, like, you could have. Well, if you're not high function in LA, you're the you're like the top one percent of functioning. So I mean, I'm doing fine. stuff. I get up. I do my yeah. laundry. I go to work. Blah blah, blah whatever. Yeah. But like internally, I'm just like ah! <laughs> all the time. Well, let me just say this. A lot of people do this podcast, and after it, they fucking big things happen. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is like the secret podcast. <laughs> I can't wait. So it's all, gonna, it's all uphill I'm gonna from blow here. up. All uphill from here. All up, whatever in the, whatever. It's all uphill I'm from here. Stoned. Yeah. No, it's not uphill. It's downhill. All downhill from here. In a good way. Because we're at the top. We're at the pinnacle. I don't know how it If works. this is the pinnacle, I don't want, bro, it just bury uphill. me. What's the word for it? It's all up. Smooth sailing. <laughs> sailing. <laughs> the uphill is that's, bad. That's uphill the expression. is like you have to walk uphill. That's like Sisyphus. I don't know. Anyway. Uphill, I think it's indicative of a graph where your growth is exponential. I'm already way too stunned for this conversation. Sorry. But, uh, <laughs> it's a like, hyperbole, uh, though. It never stoned? approaches what you need it you to. You know what that's called? An asymptote. It is an asymptote. Boom. You're right. Daddy went to college. Asymptote. 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 There's a P, though. Yeah. A-S-Y-M-P-T-O-T. girl. Nicely done. I interviewed for NASA. What? Yeah, I sure did. For what? What'd you get your degree in? Aerospace engineering. I never asked you any questions this no, whole time. No, you did good because you're far more fascinating. <laughs> no, <laughs> for sure. So, um, hey, thank you for coming. Thanks I, for I, having I, me. I've just lost the the ability to speak well. Um, speak good. So uh, I think I think you're so funny. And follow her on. Uh, it's, spell your name for the for the folks. It's going to be on the my like, handle. Yeah, what's your handle? Cradrian. C R A Y D R I E N N E. Cradian. Cradrian. Oh yes, and. Um, you got maybe a book. You got a web series out too right yeah. now? Called what? Two Inches Apart. We're working on it. Two Inches Apart. Mm-hmm. And then the podcast Glitchin. Glitchin. And the One Room Show. And she'll be snowboarding at a mountain near you. Hell yeah. And you can catch her at a dance class too. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. Thank you. You are a true, true talent. Hope I see you around soon. Hell yeah. Bye-bye.
Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that episode of The After Laugh. If you liked it, make sure you give it five stars on iTunes and tell your friends about it. Subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and please spread the word. Thank you so much for supporting and check out our other podcasts on the Laugh Factory Network, Fanatics with Sean Joshi. It's the After Laugh, After Laugh. Welcome to the After Laugh, After Laugh, After Laugh. <laughs> after Laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs>